Well, howdy, everyone, and welcome to the podcast of power, a Shiron the Princesses of Power companion podcasts. I'm one of your cowpokes, Nero. And I'm the other one, Jane. And today we're talking about Once Upon a Time in the Waste. <coughs> Sorry, I got a horny toad stuck in my throat there. <clears throat> I don't know what happened. Yeah, I guess I did too. It was, uh, it was, it was very weird. Who's, who's to say how that happened? That just happens sometimes in Texas. Yeah. So, this episode is a big one. Yes, this is this is the this is the grand event. This is the one we've all been waiting for. If this was, you know, this this is like that, you know, drum roll please moment because Once Upon a Time in the Waste is I think for me anyway without a doubt the best episode in the entirety of season 2 and 3 like period. The uh the the poor episodes are pretty good, but these these two or uh, this this one in specific is just it's it's amazing it's it hits all of it hits all of the stuff if you like catra and you like scorpia you're gonna enjoy this episode if you like catra if you like scorpia if you like catra and scorpia doing activities together you're gonna like it yes especially uh, there's quite a lot of uh there's quite a lot of uh, activities going on in this one so the way the way this kind of this kind of gets set up is you know we start out uh katra and, and scorpia are in the middle of the desert there's tumbleweeds blown by that kind of thing um katra is really annoyed that scorpia is there she just kind of she she accepted her fate to go die in the desert functionally as far as they know there is nothing out here like there's no chance they're ever going to find this mysterious first one's technology. It's just, there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing out here. Um, Scorpia decided to tag along because, you know, she's like, oh, you know, you, you were trying to protect me. It was so noble of you. But, but I, you know, it's, it's really only just brought us closer together. And, and Katra's just like, she, the thing is right now she is in incredible depression mode, but she is also very appreciative of the fact that Scorpia is here yeah she's she's not showing it she never shows anything like that but you can tell yeah you can tell by the fact that like when scorpia says these things and then brings her in for a hug she doesn't immediately recoil and tell her to get away from her uh this is this is a tell for her you see so catra and scorpia do like a speed run of the first crimson waste episode where like before even the credits they notice the cantina or whatever in the distance and head towards it um, of course, thinking that it's just some kind of abandoned structure, but it, you know, there's there's the tufts in there, um, and and Catra lets out an exasperated sigh that does last the whole intro. Yes, she start she starts groaning before and ends groaning like a solid five or six seconds after uh, the intro is done. So pretty, uh, she's pretty she's pretty irritated. As it turns out, Horde intelligence is really bad, um, probably because Horde act, like scouted everything on Ethereum one time 30 years ago and just decided to call it a day. He's like, yeah, that's enough scouting, right? We looked at the desert and said, wow, this place sucks. There's nothing out here. No one could ever live in a desert. It's not possible. All of my worldly experience points to me to the fact that no one would ever live in a desert. That's just the truth. That's true. No one, that's, that's why no one lives in Texas. Mm-hmm, it's true. So they sort of go about um Catra just, you know, moves on up to the bar. We should mention I should mention uh Catra 
has some some real top tier looks in this episode. Oh, extremely, extremely. Like she. So, the the first the one of the first things she does in this in this situation is she she heads into this bar and she's she's in some 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 major depression mode and then she hears she hears uh adora she just she hears she uses the word shira and then she's like oh are you kidding me and then she goes over and she tries to get some information and you know she runs into our fun our two fun friends from before the goat lady and the frog lady and they try to be tough and then she's just like you know i've done the whole tough thing it's it's all fake and it doesn't matter and i don't have time for this and she does like this whole uh, this whole spiel about how she's really sick and tired of all this crap. And she grabs a knife from a snake person wearing a pretty sick jacket. And as soon as she's done dealing with uh, with our two former Huntara toughs, uh, she does steal that jacket. And so she has a bad girl jacket for this whole episode, and it's really good. If there was a Shira gotcha game, this would be a five star pull jacket catcher would be a very rare pull i think yes and everyone would be spending like 30 30 dollars a pop on those those gotcha pulls uh just to get that i'd be listen i would wail for leather jacket catcher it's it's a sick look it's a really gotta have it it's a really good look and let's not discount catcher's like wandering ronin cape from the very beginning if you're a morally gray exile you in the desert you gotta wear like a cool grimy cape this is true yeah she's got like the 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 desert cloak on and and that sort of thing it's pretty good but of course like once when she starts doing the okay i'm sick of all this nonsense stuff she takes it off and throws it at the snake person (laughs) It's, it's it's really good yeah the uh i should the we should we should talk a little bit about the scene where she just kind of monologues her trauma at everyone for like two minutes she just goes off i remember this 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 was in the trailer for season three was it yeah this whole speech was basically overlaid over the entire thing god she's just like i've had a bad life i'm tired of like posturing to look tough well none of that matters you just have to be tough she kicks the snake in the face, takes takes their knife. Yeah, she gets a knife. <laughs> it's a like a rough carved bone knife with like a piece of piece of tape around like the hilt of it. It's pretty sick, frankly. And uh, she basically just intimidates the two the two hench ladies into uh, taking her around the uh, the waste to find Adora and the gang. Yeah, no, her and Scorpio are a. Uh a tour de force uh in the in this one like they just they immediately take charge of the situation these two are basically at their at their complete mercy and they uh they 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 head on their merry way and meanwhile like while while they're doing this you know catcher's just having a fun time she's thriving in this like like she is genuinely very happy about how much she's winning right now this is the first time we've heard Catra giggle uh, since episode, like, two, probably. Probably episode one, now that I think about it. Yeah, it's been a grip, hasn't it? It's, um, it's been a really long time. And it's obvious that the Crimson Waste is just a place that clicks with her. It's a place where she can just succeed by being herself. Exactly, exactly. Like, 
the the thing one of the things uh that she says like in her monologue right is you know she wins the battle but she loses the war like she does every single thing right and then she makes one mistake and it ruins everything and and it wasn't even really her own mistake it was it was someone else you know it was it was shadow weaver doing you know doing the thing here not really her like uh her so much so you know she's been presented with a situation in which everything she does is correct and everyone thinks she's really cool for doing it so she's she's really having a ball with it yeah and and so scorpio is also quite enjoying the desert her uh her exoskeleton loves the dry heat. Yeah, she's a big fan of of warm weather. She, you know, she likes she likes the sand. She likes the 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 vistas. Like she she's quite a big fan of the desert climate. So you know, really, this is this has been a pretty nice little little uh, trip here for what is supposed to be a death march. Yeah, they uh, they just kind of you know get together and then get their crew and just head out without much uh without much incident um and this is starter sort of where we start to see scorpion catra really gl- growing closer over the course of this journey yes so we we briefly mentioned uh at the end of uh, the episode last week that this this is uh kind of this is the gayest thing you've ever seen it's amazing there's there's a really specific set of shots that that happened in this episode that are just they really takes it to the next level frankly and i we're, we're probably gonna post those to twitter because they, they're some of my shot my favorite shots in the whole show like it, <laughs> they they just they click really well like it's it's wonderful like scorpia is incredibly supportive of catcher and catcher's finally like at a point where she's like accepting that support like she's not immediately shoving it away like she wants to hear it and is glad to hear it and like it makes her feel good and she'll like you know she she kind of does a hordak at one point actually where she's like trying to give her a compliment and failing really horribly but like it's 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 cute it's it's adorable it uh it's it's really quite good and um that that's kind of the like this is the Scorptra episode in a nutshell pretty much from like from what i hear i think the 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 rustle and the grapevine at least is that they kind of had the crew tone down the interactions between scorpion and catra which is wild to me early earlier in the season like you know they would always have scorpion say oh you're my best friend which didn't really work at all no if anything i feel like it reinforced it because it kind of just felt to me instead of just being like yeah yeah we're just friends don't worry about it it was more like yeah yeah we're just friends don't worry about it i'm not going to think about this very hard haha uh-huh. you know? <laughs> that is all thrown out the window in in this episode this is like full like yeah like you said it's the game i've ever seen and you're right it's it's great like yeah they just they they took the limiter off for this one like there is literally a shot there there is a shot in this episode in which she scorpia is looking at katra with her 
claws on her face and a really exaggerated little you smile and she has hearts in her eyes while Katra is like very exaggeratedly blushing it's it's really good like it's really 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 good uh that's not even the half of we gotta get a bit longer into this uh into this kind of kind of plot line here before we get to the real stuff yes very true so they they come they're, they're walking you know <laughs> at one point catcher renames the goat lady kyle because she needs someone to uh to unload all of her frustration on yeah <laughs> and usually that's kyle so might as well we know these two never get named i'm pretty sure that that lady is credited as in in air quotes kyle that's really really funny i didn't know that actually that's that's amazing i'm almost certain um but yeah so there and of course the the frog lady has been like petrified by some weird plant and they kind of just accidentally wander into an ambush with all these all these snake people snakes and lizards and all that kind of thing and a big buff lizard man jumps out of the jumps out of the ravine and reveals himself What's his name? Well, I think you'll find that this individual's name is, in fact, Tung Lashor. It is T-U-N-G-L-A-S-H-O-R. Tung Lashor. Yes, Tung Lashor. And everyone seems to think that uh, this particular individual is the toughest guy in the crimson waste he's got a whole gang of little lizard people and they're they're like we're gonna you know there's, there's a lot of nerve showing up here without huntara we're gonna make an example out of you we're gonna kill you and leave your bones here for uh, for everyone to see <laughs> sorry sorry i just i just looked at what he, he's, oh? he's a he-man character i just looked up what he looks like oh i'm gonna send it to you oh 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 and this is the original oh my god you know honestly pretty basically the same design <laughs> he's looking good he's looking he's looking good he's looking fresh he's got he's got a really round head <laughs> he looks like a cherry tomato looks like a cherry tomato with a lizard face don't it's, worry uh, we, we, we will post we will post 80s tongue last shore in the description don't you worry but boy he looks he looks that's that's all we gotta say about that he looks with a capital l it's beautiful it's 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 gorgeous but um so so yeah he does his whole little little shtick here and and he seems very scary catcher just laughs in his face and is like you know did you did you lose a friggin bet dude like tongue lash or are you serious i think you'll find that it's uh scorpia who says what did you lose a bet <laughs> yeah yeah it's like it's an extremely it's a re- it's a real taser face situation isn't it oh yeah so like tongue lash or the way i i believe i i need to look it up but i'm pretty sure tongue lash or is voiced by um the, the, the guy who, who plays Seahawk, I'm pretty sure it's the same guy. That's really funny. And the way he's playing it is definitely extremely, like, 80s WWF heel. Yeah. 
He's basically like two steps from Macho Man at this point. No, yeah, this this dude is this dude is functionally a Randy Savage character, except instead of talking about uh, talking about the cream, he's talking about how cool he is with his whip and, and how he's gonna bury your bones in the desert. <laughs> the the bone line is staggeringly uncool. It's he's trying so hard is the thing. He's trying so hard, like it's it's really good so so yeah catcher and scorpia just start basically clowning on this guy and he's he's not really sure what to do especially because like he tries to respond and they're both just interrupting him because catcher's talking about like how she wants his whip and scorpia is just talking about like hey do you even know how to use a whip she's like ah, this guy can figure it out can't be hard <laughs> scorpia's like she's like i shout you should use it and have like a catchphrase like like whip just you know just whip the uh the banter is extreme here and and tongue lashor is extremely annoyed by it um he says you better not muck the strongest in the crimson waste and he uh just you know challenges katra so you know she she really uh shows off her kind of acrobatic abilities in this fight because tongue lashor he's like a he's like a big heavy right like he's a he's a huge muscle man yeah, this dude's a refrigerator, and he comes at you like a freight train. But as with most situations, Catra kind of gets... I mean, she's she is used to this situation exactly, right? Like, Adora uh, in, in Shira mode is also a freight train. So, like, she's she's got a little bit of experience dealing with, like, single gigantic, like, heavyweight opponents. So she kind of runs circles around this guy. There's a moment where he like catches her with the whip and drags her up to like hold her by the leg. You know, he's laughing. And then she she just stops struggling and gives him a smirk and just goes <laughs> and throws sand in his face. Yeah, she does kind of a pocket sand maneuver after uh. doing just like a real gremlin giggle right in this face. It's 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 really really good. Like she again, they're just clowning on this guy. And then kind of the way that they they kind of deal with the situation in the end is Catcher's like, "Ah, yes, quicksand. This is really easy to just take care of this." And then uh, of course this idiot jumps straight into the quicksand after her because like, you know, he he lives here. He knows what quicksand looks like. Yeah, but does he, like, do anything, or does he just have his, like, cronies do it for him? Yeah, probably. He's probably, like, he probably has, like, people walk out in front of him so they get in the quicksand instead, so he's probably not used to having to watch out for it. So, yeah, he gets he gets trapped in the quicksand. Luckily, he's, he's tall enough he's not going to immediately sink and die, so... You know, good for him. Yeah, it's not as it's not as deep as the like quicksand pit that uh, Adora and gang encountered in the first episode of this of this set. Yeah, well, again, thankfully for him because nobody's helping him uh, at this point. <laughs> Catch, <laughs> Catra, like, oh no, here, hold out your hold out your uh, whip, I'll help you. And she grabs the whip and like pulls him, and then just kind of you know yanks the whip out of his grip to to just kind of you know take it yeah and <laughs> she just leaves him there and he's like hey guys guys help and nobody helps him i mean assumedly they just abandon this guy in the middle of the desert so is he still alive who's to say he doesn't appear again i don't think he does not not even in like the the the, the cavalcade of cameos at the end of season five he i mean pretty sure 
do we want to put this guy on like the maybe dead list? Because I feel like maybe, uh, uh, maybe less dead and more just exiled in shame, lost at sea. Because who is the strongest in the Crimson Wastes? Well, Scorpia has an answer. Scorpia does have an answer, and she's going to start chanting Catra, and then everyone else is going to. And again, another really cute moment. It's it's great. And uh, thankfully for our four-armed frog lady, uh, she got petrified with two of her arms in there, so she's already uh, she's already covered on this front. Yeah, she's already got it. <laughs> Surely got the team spirit on that one. Should we talk about the Mara stuff before getting to the end of this, uh, the end of the episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll touch on this briefly. We're not really gonna get into it because there's not a lot we can really dig into outside the spoiler zone because this is the first introduction to the situation yeah much much like hordak in the last episode this is the first like this is the first expansion of this material yeah and there's we we learn a lot but there's not a lot we can really do right now with that information exactly exactly so essentially what ends up happening don't lash stuff is going on um meanwhile the best friend squad and huntara end up at uh at the ship and they find there's like a like a legend of zelda ocarina of time mirror shield puzzle they have to do to get into the rest of the ship and um then there's just a uh a hologram of mara in there who apparently has been driving away everyone from the ship for a while because she's on loop and it, it echoes very like ominously and and uh, ghost-like in the ship and, and it sounds very scary but it's really just a hologram of Mara and Shiramo just saying that you know she's she's Mara she's dead um, that's about it yeah and this the the fact that it is just another looping hologram causes adora to snap a little bit yeah she she kind of loses it uh just a little bit and frankly like yeah she would she's like she rushes out to the crimson waste right thinking for once in her life she's gonna have an answer to why any of the things that have happened to her have happened to her like she she doesn't even just want an answer about why specifically she was put on the planet or whatever like like what she is you know who she is or whatever she wants to know the answer to everything she wants someone to tell her why all of the trauma and all of the horrible things that happened to her happened to her she wants someone to be held accountable for all of the things that have gone wrong and because so far up to this point everyone who could reasonably be held accountable everyone who has had some sort of you know mentor-like relationship in her life none of them have taken up any of this accountability they have they have you know front-loaded all of that effort on onto adora whether it be you know shadow weaver expecting the moon and the stars from her star pupil or you know light hope uh deciding that she's going to dole out information in exchange for her doing absolutely everything she says to the letter without question it's just like no one no one has given her a straight answer and no one has taken the responsibility of all the all the nonsense she's had to put up with so she's a little bit sick of it now that she's she's basically dropped everything 
at this last see this seemingly last chance that she might actually get a straight answer and it's just another hologram so she's you know she's very frustrated until she notices that there is a slot for the sword um puts the sword in there and that is when mara shows up in the captain's chair with her last message the gist of this message is like under no circuit like you cannot open a portal i i sent etheria into this empty like dimension so that we couldn't nothing would happen to everyone else i've seen i've seen the future if we were allowed to continue whatever we were doing and it would just lead to countless deaths there's a lot of there's some interesting thing like the 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 figure of mara has long like cast a shadow over adora in this show um ever since like season one episode three when her name is first mentioned and then of course light hope tells her that mara was the the the, the shira before her who lost control and then got them all into this mess um but then we hear have mara herself saying this is this is what i need to do i i, I will not be remembered as a hero I don't want to do this, but I need to. Yeah, I actually, it, it's it's a really good reveal of who Mara is, I feel, because, so, she set up, right, um, originally as this, like, thing to live up to, this previous She-Ra thousands of years ago, this figure she knows very little about, but she knows that she was, if nothing else, a figure of great historical import. She was, you know, she's a big deal. And so she had big shoes to fill. And she finds out um, through Light Hope, you know, she, she her perception gets shifted. She feels, you know, she becomes kind of a, a cautionary tale, like a, like what she could become if she doesn't become the She-Ra that she needs to be. You know, she's been hanging over her head this whole time. And, and when she walks into the room and she sees the looping message, she is in she-ra form she's uh pink her eyes like the the the, the pupils the irises are, are gone it's a very ethereal projection of her she's in she-ra mode she is um like the the art direction she's uh very imposing she's much taller than everyone else in the room um her hologram is constantly uh breaking in ways that kind of almost make her look like a like a living flame it's all of the visual language is pointing to her as being a very imposing very intimidating uh relic of the past but as soon as the actual message plays the whole visual dynamic shifts suddenly she is sitting down in a chair she's at the same visual level as everyone else she's not shira she is just mara she's hurt she's emotionally compromised her her expression is visible like her her eyes are visible the way she speaks it's it, it's it's much more human and it you know on a visual level and on a textual level it suddenly brings her down to where Adora is and and recontextualizes her as just another girl who was shoved into this role against her will and she did the absolute best she could and that she didn't succeed 
but she tried her best to make sure that at least someone could someday and it's it's really good like i i love the way that this very specific setup for mora is is created in this episode unfortunately before adora can absorb any of that information um Katra and the goon squad bursts onto the scene yeah and just completely annihilates them they just get absolutely wrecked yeah no none of them were expecting this situation to happen so you know sleep darts come out of uh stage right you got bow going down you got glimmer going down uh Huntara takes uh two sleep bullets for for Adora Adora yanks the sword out she tries to she tries to turn into she-ra but hey catra's got that whip she just snags the sword in one second and even catra is just like wow this went really easy and fast this time didn't it uh and importantly we have we should note we get our first hey adora for a while uh since a while yes and it's a really good one too she has this like really good like edge of her lip curling up like smirk to it it's it's quite good she's very She's very cocky in this moment, and frankly, you can see why. She's got an enormous upper hand. She has not really an army, but a gang, certainly. Like, she's she is in a position of power in this situation, and she's got everyone right where she wants them, and Adora ends up getting captured. Uh, Adora, you know, tells Huntara before she gets uh, Scorpia stabbed with, uh, the, with, the, with her scorpion tail, uh, she's like, uh, Huntara, get them out of here. So she just linebacker, <sighs> she she scoops up Bo and Glimmer under her arms and just tackles her way out of the room. I mean, I'm not going to get in front of that, are you? No, I, I, I don't blame anyone else for getting out of the way of that. I would rather not have all of my bones pulverized. Yeah, I'd rather not have my internal uh, skeleton turned into soup, thanks. So yeah so so after this here we go go. after this this is this is the this is the real this is the real core of the episode this scene how let me check let me check the last that's like six minutes of this episode are the best part of season three yeah yeah, like this this 6 minutes is an incredibly incredibly strong 6 minutes. Like like genuinely some of the strongest uh in the whole show, frankly, like it's it's phenomenal. So let me let me guide you through it here, dear listener. Let me paint you a picture. Yes, please do. So they they're having a victory party in the bridge of the ship. Everyone's got a drink. Uh, important to note, at the very beginning of this series of scenes, Catra's little, like, there's this, what do you call it, like, the, the sort of highlights on her eyes? Oh, no, she's got, like, a, she has got a full face blush. red blush. She is, and she she is uh, a little bit tipsy right now. They, they stop coloring in that red blush after this initial shot, but I saw it. I know it's there. I know what's going on here. She's, like, draped over the chair. She's got the sword. She's posing like a Jarl from Skyrim. <laughs> yeah, She's it's so just good. living it up. Everyone is cheering about their conquest. They got they got the ship. They got Adora. All this new loot. Um, but, but Catcher makes sure that everyone also cheers for Scorpia, uh, not just her. Yeah, oh my god. I love... I... <sighs> 
that's one of my favorite bits. We should also note, I think we forgot, we forgot to mention that the Scorpia gets a matching bad girl vest. Oh, yeah, 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 that's really critical. Yes, no, Scorpia does get, uh, after the Tongue Lashor uh, defeat, um, she does toss uh, Scorpia Tongue Lashor's uh, jacket, which is uh, conveniently uh, big enough for, for Scorpia to wear. And so they do have matching bad girl girlfriend jackets, and it's amazing. Um, but yeah, like, I love, I, it's so good just, Scorpia has been so supportive of Katra the whole show. She's always been there for her the whole time, and she's trying so hard to just to break down Katra's barriers and get in there and and really like and really emotionally connect with her. And because because the thing is, Scorpia also really wants to be supported. Like she wants that reciprocated really badly, and when it is finally after so long after three seasons basically like she's so she's really really happy about it it's 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 such a good scene and then it gets better because after everyone's cheering for scorpion she's all blushy catra like gives her a big wide smile and laughs and grabs her by the claw and leads her out of the room yeah yeah she does and the 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 camera like like the all the sounds in the room kind of dim and the camera is like focused on on uh scorpia's claw being held and and dragged out of the room and and scorpia is just like she she's got a look on her face of like oh my god it's actually happening and she uh it's uh, uh. Right, so Katra is like this is a party this whips we gotta have more of these back at the horde when we get back um uh, and it's like we we don't worry about Huntara it doesn't matter if she got away we have the sword we have a door that's all that matters and Scorpia says okay that's pretty good but consider this what if we didn't yeah she's like hey, what if we did because she she's like listen she's like, listen katra here's here's a situation you've never been happy ever like the entire time that i've known you this like not only are you happy but like this is this is this is the like perfect atmosphere for you like you've you have in a day basically gotten your own army like you're the you're the leader of the crimson waste like everyone respects you like immensely we can you know live out here and rule together you know we can be together i mean she literally i think says the words we can be together uh which is which is really good um you know because it's like you know you go back to the horde you know what do you have there like you hate it in the horde like you you're going to go back and you're going to give this stuff to Hordak and he's not going to appreciate it at all. It's like best case scenario, you're going to get told that everything is back to status quo where you're clawing and fighting for every scrap of approval you can get, you know, and that's the best case, you know, here you can live like a queen and Catcher just kind of looks to the side and she's like, she's gonna rebut her, but she just, doesn't like her voice dies in her throat basically and she doesn't really have an answer to that yeah the 
the acting in this scene from AJ Machalka is just so good. And not just her, also there's there's a point where when when Scorpia starts talking about this, she like Catra like clutches the sword really close to her chest. Like she she basically starts cradling it because before she's like waving it around all dramatic and stuff. But as soon as things start getting like you know, touchy feely, ooey gooey. She kind of clutches it to her chest as almost a shield, but like she's she's thinking about it. She's this is the first time she hasn't just you know refused something like this. Yeah, like Adora has made a similar offer to her twice now. You know, at the the end of episode two and then season one, um, and uh, during Princess Rescue. Uh, which one yeah it was it was uh no princess left behind at the end of no princess left behind she also made the same offer and and both times katra abjectly refused she has no interest whatsoever in it you know she doesn't want to be saved by adora she doesn't want to feel like adora's in command of her life that she's taking the lead that she needs to follow adora wherever she goes you know she's tired of being in her shadow and everything but scorpia was introduced to her life after Adora and she's always been you know an equal like she's never been above her in any way and and she's and she's never been anything but supportive she's been everything that Katra feels Adora wasn't so when when Scorpia makes the same offer when she says we can leave the horde behind we can just go do something else we can just live our lives suddenly that offer doesn't sound like she's being she's being taken by the wrist and made to follow in someone else's footsteps but rather like someone else is actually genuinely considering her happiness and that really takes her off guard and it takes her off guard in a way that she's not prepared for uh, she's she's so unprepared for it that she says, "All right, I need to, I need to eject from this conversation. Uh, I gotta go check on the prisoner. Uh, gotta go." Yeah. Um. So the prisoner says, "I have to go right go home right now immediately." So she puts her game face back on and heads over to to where Dora is tied up, being looked uh, after by the the same snake person that Catcher took took her jacket from. Um, who just yeah. is a very strong now jacketless. Now jacketless, this, by the, the way. This person is like a super deep V, just chaps. It's a strong look. The uh, the entire Tongue Lasher gang, pretty good look. Yeah, the looks are great. Names could do a little bit of, do with a little bit of work. So, you know, the, the, they go through the old, they go through the old routine. You know, Catra's gloating. He's like, I got your sword. And Dora's like, you cannot, do not bring that back. I am going, you cannot open a portal. You heard what Mara said. Um, and then Dora, you know, the Catra's like, well, how do you know about this portal stuff anyway? How do you know what Hordak is planning? And Dora says, Shadow Weaver told me. Yeah, so... Uh... God, just... The last, she was having such a, such a good time. Catra was having such a good time. And then the word Shadow Weaver happens and just, it all fell apart and all just implodes. It unravels. So, Adora says, you didn't know 
Shadow Weaver is in Bright Moon, and it just destroys Catcher because she realizes she finally realizes what happened. Shadow Weaver didn't just leave. She didn't just like escape. She ran to Adora. She chose Adora over her again and screwed her over royally in the process. Yeah. She she chose Adora over her a final time. And in the in the biggest and worst way possible. And it just absolutely it is like a sledgehammer to the chest for her. Like her breath is 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 gone. It is just sucked right out of her. The wind is gone. Like she just goes into a dissociative episode and starts wandering out of the room and just basically almost runs directly into Scorpia who she's like hey you know how how are you doing you you okay you, you don't look so great and Katra just she looks up at her and she's like very close she is on the verge of bawling at this point the only reason that she is not crying is because she's too angry and she decides then and there not only are they going back to the horde but they're going to open that portal they're going to bring the horde through and they're going to crush everyone this final betrayal this final reinforcement of everything she's known she she believes that everything Shadow Weaver told her in that cell was a complete lie at this point. And she just completely snaps and just wants to destroy everything. She's Yeah, this Catra gets in Catra gets jokered in this episode, frankly. Like, she... But she doesn't. Because, like, here's the thing about getting jokered. Getting jokered means you don't care anymore. Getting jokered is, like, becoming pure chaos and just having a laugh. Catra is, like... No, yeah. She's not having a good time at all. All of this is born out of deep, deep personal pain that she can't untangle or deal with. So she just feels like she has to inflict it on everyone who she perceives to have hurt her that's shadow weaver that's adora that's the rebellion that's hordak that's just everyone yeah yeah that's the thing right is like this is this is her deciding that it's all coming down she doesn't care anymore she doesn't even she she doesn't really even care about the horde she doesn't care about any of this. All she wants is to make sure that all of the people who have hurt her are destroyed in every possible way a person can be. And she plans on on doing that using, and especially, especially using the one thing that Adora specifically wants her not to do. Because that's the thing too, right? Is like... Catra wouldn't have come to the conclusion completely on her own that she needs to open a portal and bring the horde through or whatever. Like she wouldn't make that her mission. Like she wouldn't mind it, but that wouldn't be her core mission. It's the fact that Adora specifically said that that would be the worst thing that could happen. That is what makes her want to do it because anything that could be the worst thing that could ever happen to Adora is exactly what she wants 
right now. Well, on that note, how about we get into questions? It's fun questions. Yeah, on that on that really fun and not at all dire note, let's fun let's time. do let's do some so fun funny, fun curious catchers. Curious catchers. Um, all these are from anonymous. Some of these are 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 from old episodes. You know, it's fine. Send questions about all episodes, and we'll answer them either way. First one here. Um, what is the price of power? Why is it called that? Referring to the season premiere. I tend to think that the price of power uh, is referring to a few things. Uh, for one, it refers to, like, Shadow Weaver's whole deal. She quite literally traded a lot for her power. You know, she can't survive without magic. She's constantly, you know, on the verge of, of weakness and collapse. And in that episode, she is dying because she used the last of her power. But... It is also referring to the price of learning how to heal, which Adora has to cooperate with Shadow Weaver to learn. Exactly, exactly. It's it's the price of gaining the power to heal, gaining power over the horde, you know, the price of that power, you know, that that intelligence, that that ability that she's gaining. The price of that is that she has to make herself vulnerable to shadow weaver um in order to make that happen and she she does end up paying a bit of that price you know shadow weaver does try to manipulate her and try to weasel her way in and try to 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 get in her head and she does not entirely fail at that indeed so next question a few of these are going to be in the spoiler zone but don't worry about that um let's see how about this one? This one's interesting. Because I totally uh, don't get how this platform works, I'm not sure if this sent last time. Promise is a pretty clear recurring Catradora musical motif throughout the series, but it doesn't quite seem to fit here after Mara's hologram. Why do you think it plays here? What connections are being drawn? Hmm. I... So... This is interesting because the thing about the uh, this this OST is that most tracks are like six or seven minutes long and have like multiple segments that can be used for different things. Um, I do know what the the particular part of Promise the 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 part that that plays over um, Adora dangling over the cliff in the titular episode. And also a certain other moment, um, I believe, plays over the end of Mara's hologram. My instinct is to say that it was simply a... It is like the dramatic musical piece that works best there. But I don't know. What do you think? I... So, I, I will say, I have, like... I don't have a great ear for like um, for like musical theming. Um, I'm I'm really bad at picking that kind of stuff up a lot of the times. I actually didn't even notice that that was a situation. I think probably. I listened to it just now. Um, I mean, it's the thing about the the music that plays is that I think it is part of Promise, or at least uses similar motifs to Promise, but it is not that exact moment in the song in fact it could be hero 
Um, it could be something else. I actually don't know. Um, it could also be play like I could. It could also be playing over the earlier Mara, Mara hologram. I'd have to go and look. But it's 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 hard because sometimes the musical choices are very much uh, purposeful, like certain moments that we can't talk about. But other times, I don't know. It's so hard for me to say. This person said that sometimes the composer responds to fan interactions, and unfortunately, I, I, I couldn't uh, couldn't give her an at in time before we started recording. So I don't know if there is like. If there is deeper meaning behind that lame motif, but it is an interesting question. Yeah, it's a very interesting question. I think that that might be something to to look into more as we go forward. Um, maybe we can we can see if we can get like a like a follow up to this for for next week or something. We can try and like we'll, we'll try and add like uh, Son of Music and and then see what uh, see what they have to say. We'll hit the street. We'll get we'll get the word. Um, we'll see what's going on. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, let's see. Next question. This one's a nice, quick one. It's about headcanons. Do you have any thoughts on trans woman Catra? Um, I I do actually. I am. I'm a pretty big fan of trans woman Catra. I usually usually I'll see like either trans woman or trans woman Catra or both. Um, I I think both are really good. Um, I mean, if you want to like my personal take would be like probably both but you know that's i i think it's really good like i i quite like it yeah it's that's just my general thoughts well it's just good um got a couple here about catra and scorpia first one so in this uh, so this episode noel said it was planned for catra and scorpia to kiss in this episode could you have imagined what it would have been like if they did how the fandom and you individually would react what effect would this have in the show? God. That would be insane. Ah, uh, that would have been so good. Like, I... I would have lost it. I would have absolutely lost my mind. I imagine probably that didn't happen because of network stuff. I think actually uh, earlier while we were just kind of talking pre-show, uh, Nero mentioned that, like they had to tone down a lot of the the scorpia stuff that was uh that was set up um in the earlier half of the show always including lines like you know best friend and and that kind of thing which i have to say doesn't really work to make it less gay if no. anything it makes it feel a little bit more so you know it's very like haha we're just pals haha i'm not gonna think about this you know it, it goes from like explicitly some kind of explicitly romantic thing to like a like a like a figuring it out sort of thing or like a yearning thing it, it really had the opposite effect yeah no exactly exactly like it, it ended up really making it even more of a kind of a kind of a realistic situation frankly I, I hear I've heard that it was it was a network res- like response to the 2016 election. We need to get our hands on that memoir. I think that's probably talked about in there. God, is it was it really? Jeez, that's a that's a dismal that's a dismal fact, isn't it? Sure is. Uh, luckily, the, we live in a bad world. Luckily, they could not uh, they could not keep that up forever with Shira. But you know, we'll we'll talk more about that later. Yeah, thankfully, jeez, yeah, we'll 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 get more into that in a bit. It's see, it's so hard to kind of put myself 
in this alternate world where that happened because that would be so wild and like would reverberate so much through the rest of the show yeah right like it would reverberate so much through the rest of the show like can you imagine if like i don't know there was like we can't we can't okay i, I can't actually say i can't i can't say i can't we'll say save it this will if you want to hear more about that check out the spoiler zone we'll talk a lot about it yes we'll be we'll be talking about it at length i hope i hope you uh i hope you have popcorn ready because we're already at 55 minutes i would not be surprised if we if we stretch this out to like at least at least as long as the last couple probably longer yeah this might be an hour half or maybe hour 45 or i don't know I don't think we're going to get our first two hour podcast until like season five. Maybe. Yeah. Hmm. Or maybe four. honestly the port, <laughs> the portal episodes, maybe even maybe it, it all depends. All right. Next one here. Uh, I think it's going to be the last one. We're going to talk about pre buffer here in an interview. Noel Stevenson revealed the head candidate an off screen scripture kit happen. Kiss happens quote right when you think it would. I can think of several different times that could work. When do you think it was? It's most likely to have occurred, and why? Hmm. That's a good one. Like, all right. What's what's like the what is the most likely time that could happen? Because I can, I can think of a couple. I think of a couple bits. So, right after they beat Tongue Lash, or right after the the jackets. Mm-hmm. That's one. I could also see while they're like running into that hallway yeah like while, while they're running into that hallway hand in hand or even maybe like like just before that not any time after that obviously not any time after that ob- obviously but like like during during the party even yeah like, before it's... obviously they were but like is that party had been going on for for a grip by the time we got to the the toasting scene there there was catcher with several drinks deep as as demonstrated by her blush at the beginning of that scene i don't that's some people will say oh it's just animation error i don't buy it i don't buy it no no that was that's one of those things where it's like again there's like network stuff like you can't that's what they told the network oh that that's just an animation error we couldn't fix it in time yeah it's just an animation error just like a normal blush because because the thing is right like just on the character design note like they every character always has like that slight um that slight blush to their face just add a little bit of color to it i love that so they're just like oh well we just we just put a little bit more color in there than usual but like you know we, we we know what's we know what's going on with that one yeah that listen visual language it exists and it, it tells you things it tells you so many things um but yeah no that that i would say my my best guess for when that kiss took place was probably immediately after the the bit where where katra goes to to lead her into the hallway or it were just immediately after they get to the hallway like like one of those two things i would that would probably be my best guess like second second place would probably be like um right after they get the the matching bad girl jackets indeed indeed so i think the rest of these are spoiler zone questions technically we could answer some of them here but i really want to get into the meat of them yeah yeah so so we got a patreon we do have a patreon and we have some content coming up this month all right so let's let's run down the uh, the schedule shall we yes so this sunday 
Kipo cast. We are going to be covering. Uh, let's see, what are those? What are those episodes called? It's like six and seven, right? Yeah, six and seven, I believe. Um, it's uh, seven and eight, and it is. Uh, oh, this is fun. This is Maholland and Twin Beaks. Yep, we got the we got the Lynchian episodes coming up. Yeah, very excited about that. I love me some Lynch, um, some David Lynch. He is a. I haven't seen any of his movies, but I like Twin Peaks. I haven't seen anything, so I'm excited. Week after that, we are going to be talking. We're going to be talking about the graphic novel Legend of the Fire Princess in a mini-sode. See if there's anything interesting in that little tome. I bet there is. Oh yes, I'm. I am real excited about that one. Actually, it's. I'm. I'm glad we we found we found a copy of that. So we're gonna be we're gonna be digging deep into that one. Twenty ninth Owl Cast. That's going to be the next two episodes of The Owl House. We're really getting into it now. Then, Monday the 30th is going to be uh, our first um, sort of fan work corner. We don't really have an official name for it yet, but it's basically just an aggregate of the stuff we've seen around Shira fan art, Shira fix, Shira envies. I'm, I'm in the content mines on the Shira fix. I'm collecting some recommendations for all of y'all. Uh, trust my taste. Trust me. Yes, yes. We're 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 gonna we're gonna be grabbing uh, plenty of that good content. Uh, it's gonna go up like uh, as a as a video. It'll that'll be in the uh, that'll be in the Patreon. And um, yeah, I'm I'm quite excited. You may ask, how do I get all of this content? Hosts, well. You can go to patreon.com slash pot of power and donate at the $3 level to get all of that. And more if we get you know, if we get hit our stretch goals. We reworked them. We made them a little lower to make them a little bit easier to hit. Um, right now, we are sitting at, I believe, $45 a month. Once we hit that, we are going to do monthly retro Shira riffs. Gonna be cracking jokes and 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 cracking uh, cracking cold ones over uh, old eighty Shira episodes because those are completely uh, whack. Yeah, they're they are pretty nuts, and uh, they'll that'll be that'll be fun. And then after that, we've got I believe at the sixty dollar mark, correct? Let me look uh 75 i think yeah 75 we uh like we've said a few times here we got the uh one shot uh shira for the honor tabletop game we're gonna run it's a hack of the firebrand system if you're aware of that uh nero semi recently did a guest uh appearance on another podcast uh where they played it uh they had a pretty good time it's a lot of fun do you like character drama do you like you know, pitched battles of, of great emotional intimacy you'll like for the honor. Yes, so so that's... Uh, find that... Find me over there on at Strangers Fiction. I believe there's uh, just at Strangers Fiction Pod on Twitter. Let's check. Yep, Strangers Fic Pod. At Strangers Fic Pod on Twitter. Find me over there. Um, it's the episode Reunions in the Wilds. As for everywhere else, you can find us on Twitter at Podcast of Power. 
we post questions there every week before we record and that reminds me we are changing our recording schedule yes we are pushing it back a little bit you know obviously we've got quite a few things on offer now we've got two side casts we've got bonus episodes we got the main show and we got you know these these fan uh, aggregates so it's it's a little bit of, a little bit of work for us to get done so we're going to be doing the main podcast recordings on tuesdays um, and then we're going to be doing the, uh, the the Patreon show recordings on Thursdays. So now instead of question posts being posted every Wednesday, they will be posted on Sunday. Be on the lookout for that. Don't don't get caught. Uh, don't get caught looking the other way. Um, got a question that's too long for Curious Cat or Twitter? Well, that's easy. Just send us an email. Uh, hit us up over at potapower at gmail um we are coming up on the end of season three which means we have our big email roundup we've got some good ones already from jennifer adelaide richter all all sorts of folks uh uh sending in their thoughts and 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 feelings about some of these past uh these past episodes so really looking forward to that episode yes that's gonna be that's gonna be pretty good and finally um one of the one of the other things that you get for being a fun three dollar patron is uh you get shout outs in the middle of every episode nero take it away that is correct let me open up the patron page that is not the right one there we go thank you to our patrons sean montgomery jack onuro olivia andres lozano uh britney ray michael steiner tara stark tco murder bot Brennan Fitzgerald, Tobu, Emma Grossman, Robert Harris, and Danielle DuPont. Thank you all so much. Thank you for your continued support. We we love having you guys around. It's 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 great to 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 be getting all of this love. Uh, but with that, that is going to do us for the uh, the the first half here. If uh, if you're not joining us, then you know have a good one. But if you are, we'll see you on the other side. It's a, it's well. Where do we start? Where do we start? I mean, okay. Do we want to start with the questions, or do we want to end with the questions? The questions will kind of lead into the main thrust of what we wanted this to do uh, to be, which is, uh, the the sort of alternate universe of, you know. What if Catra stayed in the Crimson Waste? Yeah. So the the Scorptra AU. We've got some questions. This one's from an anonymous curious catcher user. We got four points. Point number one. Would Catra have stayed in the Crimson Waste with Scorpia even if she didn't find out about Shadow Weaver? She captured Adora and seemed to want to keep Adora around. Hmm. So I mean this is this is the question, right? If Shadow Weaver's name was just not brought up if, if that if that was never addressed would she have actually gone back and i don't think she would have i think 
she was very seriously considering Scorpia's offer. I think probably Catra well first Catra would have kept the sword like just as a trophy really I think I don't think she would have let Adora keep that sword but I don't necessarily think she would have kept Adora around either it's 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 tough to say right because Catra is she's in a bit of a weird emotional spot with Adora for for really the entirety of the show but um she doesn't want anything to do with Adora. She wants her out of her life. She doesn't want her overshadowing her. She doesn't want her. She doesn't want to feel like she's being, you know, led by led by the wrist by Adora or or you know being shown up by Adora and that kind of thing. But at the same time, she obviously has a lot of feelings for Adora, and she doesn't really want her gone. She just wants to be in a position of power over her. So would she have kept Adora around as a prisoner or, you know, as a lackey or whatever? Maybe. But I, I think more than anything, she definitely, definitely would have stayed in the Crimson Waste. I think she would have let Adora go because she would have just gotten tired of looking at her. I guess if she was trying to get away from all that stuff. Yeah, I could see that. All right. That kind of... Re- that kind of relates to the second point of this question. Was Catra ever going to be able to get over being in love with Adora? Uh, this is this a is tough a tough one. one. I you never here's the thing. You never get over that kind of thing, I don't think. Like if you're really truly like in love with someone else, there's very little that I think that's going to make that go away in its entirety you know you for one reason or another you end up losing that person you know either they exit your life in a good way or a bad way they they stick around you know they 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 live rent free in your head for a very long time if not forever and getting over it isn't really part of the equation here it's really more learning how to not even pack that kind of stuff away but more take it apart take it take it apart piece by piece and lay it out and kind of live with it you know make it make it a smaller part of your your internal landscape yeah which is why she probably would have kicked adora out or something um it's yeah, you just you just don't. Um, if things had gone differently, maybe it wouldn't have come up again. But obviously, it does. Ta- question number three: Does Catcher have a type? Dumb women? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, ex- like extremely. Absolutely. Catcher is a morosexual. She's. She, you have to be dumb as hell. Yeah. Otherwise, it just won't work. Yeah, no. It, Catch, listen. We all we all have our types, and and Catra's got hers. That's that's why Glitchra can't go anywhere serious. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem, right? Is Glimmer, Glimmer is actually very smart. So she's just impulsive. <laughs> yeah, it's it. That's just like Adora has a type. Catra also has a type. Um, final final point of this question here. Was Adora's semi-crush on Scorpia just a rebound crush? 
Uh, Maybe it started there. Yeah, I think that... So, obviously at first, Catra very much like... Catra extremely didn't reciprocate any level of the emotions that Scorpio was putting out to her, to her. None of the support, none of the friendliness, like none of it. She, she was not having it. But over time, obviously, as... Because I, I think part of that, too, is like Catra has been condescended to, or at least has felt condescended to by so many people for the majority of her life. She really just felt like Scorpio was another person talking down to her and treating her like a child, really. And she was really having none of it. But as time went on and Scorpia stayed being Scorpia, like she didn't change her tune. She didn't like, you know, when, when Catra made a mistake she didn't you know whip around and, and do mood whiplash on her and then just turn into like a you know a, like a very angry person like, like none of that happened scorpia stayed scorpia and that grew on her a lot and i think that i think that probably at first when she first started feeling like a little bit of a crush on on scorpia it was probably a bit of rebound but um definitely by this episode i think it's not it's not a rebound situation this is genuinely like like i was saying before scorpia has created this environment for catra that is genuinely supportive and loving something that she feels like an equal partner in something that she feels like you know she has input on that she's not she's not being led around and yeah, no, I think I think there are genuine real feelings in this that are aren't just influenced by Adora. And I think that's like again, that's a huge part of why she is really actually like on the knife's edge of saying, you know, screw the horde, I'm staying here with you, you know, like that's 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 the situation. Yeah. Alright, let's let's Anonymous Curious Catra user. I forgot to send this before last episode. Adora's type is women with large muscles. How does Kadra fit into this? Yeah, we like we like nudged in this direction last time a little bit uh, with mm-hmm. another question. Like, Adora's type is women with large muscles. Katra Now, now I will say, I will say, I will say this. In season four, Katra is drawn significantly more muscular than usual. Yeah, this... But that might just be an artist thing. This is true. She is, like season four and honestly even a little bit in season five though more in season four she is definitely like a little buffer but i think part of that is also because season four kind of takes place there's like a little bit of a time skip and everybody just looks a bit more mature in season four like everyone looks a little bit more grown up everyone looks especially glimmer yeah glimmer especially like glimmer i would say has the most dramatic change like her her chin is a little bit more sculpted like she's she's gotten a little taller you know she's lost some of like her baby fat like she's like she just looks more regal she's got more of a like a queenly vibe to her like everyone just looks a little bit older and more mature and catcher is no exception catcher looks like she's she's gotten a little taller a little stronger that kind of thing however adora's type is women who can bench press her yes which is saying a lot because adora is also quite large especially yes. when she's she so 
Like so they need to be big. They need to be big, but so you know, obviously Katra is not like explicitly this, but I think I think you know you can have more more than one type, and I I think Adora just as much as she enjoys, you know, as much as Adora likes feeling like the the you know the the smaller one in the relationship, she she enjoys the um the feeling of having like a, a gigantic muscly GF. Um, she also really likes the idea of her being uh, the big GF. I think. Gigant, yes, it's it's it's, 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 a, it's quality. a quality. I mean, really, really, if we want to, if we want to really like like nail it down here, I think it's less that Adora's type is specifically women with large muscles as much as it is that she just has a thing for size difference. Like she likes there to be a differential there. This is perfectly respectable. I this is yeah. you know what Adora, I get you. I I I, I get you. I'm in I am in the same boat. Like me me and Adora, we see eye to eye on this one. It's pretty uh. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I think she also likes Mean Girls, considering how hard she was crushing on Huntara. Yeah, I think she also does like Mean Girls. Like, listen again, you know, I, I, I can, I get you. I, Who I among like... us can blame her? Whom listening to this podcast can 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 point a disapproving finger at Adora? You can't. None of you. None of you. No. So there's one, there's one other thing that I really, really want to um, want to talk about with Scorpio, right? And and again, this is kind of alluded to in the in the some of the questions we were answering. But like one of the things is if in in this AU in which Scorpio happens and and Catra stays uh, stays in the wastes, what does that mean for her arc? What does that mean? for her as a person does she actually get the amount of personal growth that she actually needs to have because for for me there's it's kind of a two hands situation right like on one hand everything about the crimson waste in this episode reinforces her worst behaviors you know the meanness, the the drive to power, the 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 cruel ambition, you know, the 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 tough attitude, all all of that stuff that is that is quite unhealthy for her, you know, is is dramatically reinforced here. She's she's being put on a pedestal because she embodies all of these character traits. However, on the other hand, Scorpia is a very genuine very genuinely kind person who loves and cares about her very much and wants her to grow as a person just as much as as the audience does and scorpia wants to bring her out of her shell i mean she's literally said that like straight up she's she just wants she wants to bring her out of her shell she wants to treat her well she wants her to feel loved and 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 taken care of and that kind of thing like she she wants to be this positive force for Katra so that she can she can grow as a person. And I think Scorpia could very well succeed in doing that. So, you know, would those two ba- would those two forces balance each other out? Would one win out in the end? Like cuz cuz the thing is also with Scorpia have the situation where she does want all of this to happen, but she's also incredibly passive. Like, she's not going to tell Katra 
that she needs to change. She's going to try to nudge her in that direction, you know, kind of killing her with kindness, which doesn't always work with her. So, you know, it's it's hard to say. It's hard to say. It's, yeah. Uh, luckily, I'm sure I can find plenty of people's uh, thoughts about that over on AO3, so I will... I will investigate that. I will, I will, I will, uh, like a scholar, bury myself in my tomes. Oh, yeah. Oh, what if we did, actually, you know what? What if we did, uh, what if we did our first, uh, fan aggregate thing and we gave it, like, a, like, a Scorptra, like, like, focus? That'd be kind of fun. Very well, then. That would be very good. Uh, it, it is law. All right. <laughs> Well, you know, we, uh, let's move on to, you know, somewhat lighter fare than talking about all of these, like, really heavy questions about Catcher's character arc. Let's talk about Mara. Yeah, much lighter, uh, lighter fare this one, isn't it? So, Mara. This is the first time we see her. This is the first time we hear about her actual deal, which is, you know, sort of deeply tragic and, uh sad and you know basically what adora sees here is her dying message like i assume the message breaking up there is the ship exploding and crashing yeah in fact actually we um i am pretty sure towards the end of the show we get like a either a flashback or like a video like one of those like like uh like 360 first one's tech like neural network videos of like what happened in a moment or whatever like like there's 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 footage of this situation going down i know what it is i know what it is it's in it's in the it's in the episode titled hero um which is boy that's gonna be a doozy when we get there Ugh, yeah it is when she is uh when raz is like shifting through time um i believe like there is either a video like a a, like a memory video or like a hologram where mara speaks directly to adora because raz told her adora would be standing there in the future oh that's yes 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 exactly that is that's right yeah so she was leaving she was leaving that message because raz is is time displaced and and yeah so so we actually do see that scene when that's happening at least part of that scene and yeah, that the ship is like, ship's going down. A, sh- a ship is uh, a ship is not having a good time. Mara's arc in this show is very interesting. It is basically a reversal of the first one's narrative arc, which of course makes sense. Mara is is establishes like this basically terrorist who ruined everything, but then it actually turns out oh no, she was the one trying to stop you know the world from blowing up the universe from like exploding because of their nightmarish super weapon that they built in the core of this planet i don't know what what, what are your thoughts on mara and her like relation to adora i think they're very interesting like i especially like i already already, you know prior to the spoilers and i talk kind of at length about like how I enjoy this setup for Mara as a character, and I think that the way it carries forward is really interesting. Like, like when Adora sees the the first hologram of of Mara, right? Like up until this point, you know, Adora has been kind of 
um either either she's either been like intimidated by the thought of mara uh feeling overshadowed by the thought of mara or like 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 angry at you know you know how how could she do do these things and and whatever but when the time actually comes down for her to confront you know a a visage of her it's not like none of that comes out she's she is relieved she's like oh thank thank god like hi it's i've i've waited so long to talk to you i have so many questions i i I need to know everything like she's 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 reaching out she is grasping with both hands trying to 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 interact with the the last little wisps of what is left of mara and you know moving forward you know we don't we don't get a lot more interactions between between these two up until the the really big one is uh season five episode it's like it's it's the episode right it's either the episode right before the heart part one or or it is the heart part one um do you remember where she talks to mara that is the heart part one yes um and that one all right we we gotta we gotta crack open the heart vault just a little bit because i i have a lot of thoughts about that scene because that's not actually Mara. That is a memory generated by like the the deep first one's tech, right? But the things Mara is saying, it is basically generating uh, uh, someone Adora will actually listen to. Because all of the things Mara is saying is basically what Catra was saying in the previous episode. Like Adora is constantly chasing mara's shadow throughout the whole series whether trying to not become her or trying to finish what she started it's all about chasing mara and at the very end literally the 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 damn planet has to plop mara down in front of her and have her tell adora to her face that she doesn't need to do this that she deserves love too because she just isn't listening to anyone else at this point. She is. She will only listen to this figure she has built up, to this figure that is. It is so important to her. Yeah. Like that is that is what I love about that Mara scene. The, the, that entire scene is great. That that brief exchange. That that exchange is 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 incredible. And the thing is, it's it's not just like the reason that she's willing to kind of take what she's saying to heart here isn't just because Mara is a figure that's been built up by everyone else and it's not just because she's a figure of like the previous Shira or or whatever but like she's almost like a physical manifestation of Adora's Atlas complex right she is like the personification of it she is what every part of Adora's psyche is consistently telling her she has to be she has to be the person who is willing to do anything it takes any sacrifice required to make sure that that what has to be done is done she is the person who has been chosen she is the person who doesn't get to choose you know she is the person who has to take this responsibility even if it means that she has to die and in fact almost certainly it means 
that she will have to die. And that's kind of what Mara is in her head for a lot of the show is this is this person who represents kind of the worst aspects of how she sees herself and this conversation yeah with with the the kind of the planet's systems trying to convince her not to not to do this thing like it's it's great because it is like it is both a very sinister cloying attempt by these these first ones trauma memory manipulation systems to get her to not interfere with the firing of the planet but it's also like it's it's the only thing that can really start to it's the only figure that is going to be able to start busting through that particular wall because she is the wall mara is the one who chose to sacrifice everything for the greater good she always talks about this um like and she doesn't want to be admirable she doesn't want to be a hero She's not a figure anyone should look up to. She's resigned to the fact that I will never be remembered as a hero. I will always be remembered as a traitor and a despot and the the one who ruined everything. And like, she is such a clear warning. She's such a clear cautionary tale. But Adora just ends up acting out her life again, basically. She just ends up going down her path until she has to step in and say no and like, it, it, I don't know if it's half. It, I don't know how much of it is the planet like trying to stop her, because it's part of the thing with Light Hope, right? How much of that is like the systems, and how much of it is actually just Etheria? It's it's hard to tell. The line is very blurred, right? At that point, at that point in that episode, reality is basically completely falling apart, like. The the in deep within the core of Etheria, you have first ones tech, Etherean magic, Chord Prime's virus, all mixing into this like nightmare vortex, and ju- like the, the everything is going haywire. You can't be certain of anything that you're seeing, and like that's not the that that even that isn't even my favorite moment of reality bending in those two episodes but we'll get there we can't talk about that scene we're not gonna talk about it no we we can't we can't we can't we can't because yeah no the the heart vault needs to stay closed for now we we cracked open the door just a smidge we we pulled a single sheet of paper out from that book but we're we're tucking it back in We'll, we'll 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 crack that open when we we get a little bit closer but it's it's important to when we're talking about Mara in this way and trying to talk about like the deeper context of like who she is and how she affects um, Adora specifically, it, it is important to bring that scene up because I think it is it's it's kind of almost a culmination of all of the themes that surround Mara. It's it's the it's the moment in which um, Mara is confirmed to be that figure that represents the worst side of Adora's duty focused mind. Um, but also the representative of, like, the hope that she can escape past that. Yeah, I think what she says in that scene 
is like after after Adora says, I, "This is beautiful. I have to fight for this." And, and Mara just turns to her and says, "I died so I no one else would have to do this." What are you talking about? Like it's uh, can you close? I'm closing a lot. It is like all of the like papers are bulging out of the door. I have to hold it shut. I gotta like lean up against it. We can't. Yeah, this is. It's dangerous. It's like, this is. Like, it's a cartoon closet full of full of stuff that is ready to burst out at any moment. You gotta just hold that door closed until it magically decides to stay shut, and then when then we and then when we open gotta it, gotta wrap the chains around it again. Yeah, then when we open it, it's all gonna flood out comically, and the whole room's gonna be open, like just covered in paper. Five hour podcast about the heart, part one and two. Um, yeah, look forward to that one. That's that's gonna be a doozy. We're like not that far away from it. we're almost done with season three yeah well i mean season four that's that is a that's a that's a full fat season that is that's a that's a that is a that's true. that is a big that is one a, that's rich that's some rich food there that's like german chocolate yeah, cake that's that's that, that's the sasha tort of uh of, of seasons right there it's gonna it's gonna take a grip to get through yeah unsurprisingly Season four might be my favorite because let me let me let you in on something, listener. Come closer. Me, I like a good tragedy. I like a good, I like a good tragic character arc. You you must know this about me, and that's what season four is all that. We got tragedy, we got hubris, we got all that stuff. It's it's a veritable Greek play out here. Yeah, no, I, honestly, season four actually is really structured, like almost like perfectly in a uh, greek tragedy like it's it's got the structure there and and catra is the main character of that one like don't do not be fooled adora is the main character of the show catra is the main character of season four i would absolutely agree in that catra and glimmer are the two protagonists of season four in fact i would say yeah yeah it's it it's, it kind of switches up in fact yeah they they end up as the protagonists of, of season four and it's 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 interesting. It was almost positioned as an antagonist, actually, in season four. It's season four is really good. That's all I'll say about it on the matter. Um, is there anything else you wanted to hit here? Broken hour and thirty on recording. Yeah, broke broken hour and thirty on this one. Like it's how it be? Uh it's it's a it's a good. It is a good episode. Like it's. Katra gets an entire arc in this. Like literally, you could take the the arc that she goes through in this episode, and you could make literally an entire show out of that, and it would be good. You could like show someone this episode and only this episode. And they would get a fair amount out of it, I think. Yeah. This is a this is a full arc for Katra in a much similar way to um like there's some really standout episodes that it could function as like standalone ones to try and get someone into the show without starting from the beginning roll with it is one of them because that's just so like out of context of everything else and everyone's just out there being funny um but these two episodes are extremely strong yeah absolutely absolutely you could you could show the crimson waste like two two-parter and you would you'd have a pretty complete you know that's that's a balanced breakfast right there um so yeah that'll do it for this beast of an episode once upon a time in the waste next week we're gonna be talking about moment of truth might be a lighter one might not be a lot of stuff happens on that episode yeah it's kind of it's the penultimate one right before we hit the uh the portal two-parter which uh 
Woof, that one's a doozy. And yeah, we're going to do that in one episode, by the way. Those two Portal episodes, those are going to be one podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be, it's going to be a special one. Uh, we got to think of, uh, we got to think of an intro for that, like a, like a... Oh, it's still alive, right? Portals. Ah, uh, there we go. Maybe it will be, maybe it won't be. You'll just have to listen and find out, uh, dear listeners. But with that, I've been one of your hosts, Jane. I'm the other host, Nero. And we'll catch y'all on the other side of Podcast Spondos. Yeehaw!